Thanks so much, Joe. I was thinking this morning as we uh, about the sermon as we enter into this time to listening to the word together that so many of us come from different spaces and different emotions, and we're just very aware of that. Um, for some, we're eager and excited to be here, and some feel like we may be dragged ourselves, even if we're still in our own homes this morning. But we carry different feelings as we come to the message this morning. If you're new to us as a community, last week we actually started a new series called Recover Your Life. This is a phrase that Eugene Peterson uses in Matthew 11 in his translation, and it's Jesus' invitation to us. And in there, Eugene Peterson says, Jesus is asking us to recover our lives as we find him. I think it's important to recognize uh, when we think about the life of Jesus that Jesus isn't just inviting us to have our sins forgiven so we go to heaven when we die. But Jesus is inviting us to live life with him here and now, even in the midst of the crisis we find ourselves in. There's a Dutch theologian and scholar, Hans Ruckmarker, and he has a beautiful quote. He says, Jesus didn't come to make us a Christian. He came to make us more fully human. And that's a recognition from the book of Genesis that God created us in his image. And oh, because of sin, that's been distorted. But Jesus is constantly trying to reclaim the image of God that is within us. We believe that Jesus is inviting us to a new way of living in the world. It's easy when we read the scripture at times to treat them almost as mythology, like that seems really impossible. Or one of the excuses I give and I often hear other people say is, well, that's Jesus. And so he was God, so that excuses us. But I wonder if Jesus is inviting us, as John's Gospel would say, to a life that is truly life. Dallas Willard uh, has this beautiful phrase where he says, if we want to take on the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. So we have to ask, what are the practices or what are the, some of the things that Jesus did in his daily life that allows us to live as if we are living every single day. And that may involve some practices over the past couple of years at St. Clair. We've adopted these practices from the life of Jesus and asked how they shape our lives today. Those practices are prayer, scripture, hospitality, generosity, and Sabbath. And so how do we incorporate those in our daily lives and live out the way of Jesus? One of the things I've pondered during this COVID crisis is whether Jesus is saying to us, I don't just want you to get through this and return back to normal or maybe even the way things were. But I wonder if Jesus is inviting us to discover a new way of living that would shape us and form us for when we emerge from this time. I think Dave said it really well last week. Someone at St. Clair had said, COVID-19 is not a good thing but it's actually teaching me good things. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the practice of hospitality, which on the surface will seem very, very strange to be talking about that practice in the midst of all that's happening. But this morning, I do want to take a slight, uh, I do want to have a look slightly differently at what we think hospitality might be this morning. I would also like to say Marseille Grun back in the fall, did an unbelievably brilliant sermon on hospitality, particularly as an overview. So if you're new to us, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. 
But one of the questions I want to ask this morning when we think about hospitality is, who are we actually inviting? Who are we actually inviting? If you have a Bible handy, I'd encourage you to look at it. If you have a paper Bible, I feel like they're making a comeback because we're all looking at our screens. So we have to grab another Bible. But if you have one handy, I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter 9 and we'll read verses 1 to 12. On the surface, this may not seem like a classic hospitality scripture, but it's a passage that's been rumbling in my heart and mind. I read a beautiful reflection from Ruth Haley Barton, who also talks about this passage. This is what it says. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked him, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Let's start at verse 1. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. What we notice over and over in the Gospels is Jesus sees people. It says over again, Jesus saw or he noticed someone. Jesus is constantly seeing people, more often than not, those that are different to himself. One author says the Gospel of Luke is always about Jesus inviting those on the fringes to come to the centre. Those most people have forgotten about to be here and present with the life of God. Jesus is always crossing cultural boundaries to invite the stranger in. The word for hospitality in the Greek and in the Hebrew actually means to welcome the stranger. That's our understanding. Maybe that's got lost in our culture, but that's what it means. Henry Nouwen, when talking about hospitality, says this. Hospitality means primarily the creation of free space, where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It is not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom, not disturbed by dividing lines. See, I often find in my own life, hospitality is something that I cognitively assent to. But the question is, am I actually practicing it? Before COVID hit, myself included, many of us were busy and so busy that we actually didn't take time to notice different things in our lives or maybe other people. 
But COVID has actually interrupted us from our daily routines. What's interesting in the Gospels is Jesus is consistently interrupted. Maybe you've done this, you've gone for a walk over the past week for your small window of time, your half an hour you're allowed to go out in your daily life. And I found that as I've walked the Sherman neighbourhood, I've noticed that I've seen things, buildings and houses and places that I've not normally seen in my daily routine because I'm so busy running around. What if during this season Jesus is slowing us down so we actually pay attention and see the other. Elie Wiesel has one of my favourite quotes. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. See, hospitality involves opening up our homes, and maybe we'll get to do that again in 2027, I don't know. But uh, at some point, again, we'll be able to open our homes. But I wonder if during this season, Jesus isn't just inviting us to open our homes, but taking the time to see others and taking the time to listen and notice. I was contemplating recently the idea of scarcity and the scarcity narrative, how people have gone to the grocery store in fear, panic bought so many things and hoarded them. And I was struck by the fact scarcity doesn't start in the grocery aisle. Scarcity starts in the heart but it ends up in the grocery aisle. For hospitality, I don't think it necessarily starts at the kitchen table. It starts in our lives. In the scripture, it says, while we were strangers, God was hospitable to us. See, when we know the hospitality of God, it invites us to be hospitable to others. I wonder if this time and this season we're in would actually change our view of hospitality. Would we come out of it with a new sense of loving other and seeing the stranger. Maybe a small practice during this season is to get to know our neighbours by posting a note or even dropping something on their porch or their doorstep. What if God is just looking for us to see the stranger who lives around us? The story continues. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In a crisis or in a situation like this, there's always the blame game that people play and the disciples fall into that trap. Culturally at the time, there was a sense that if someone was sick or ill, whose fault was it? There would be repercussions. And maybe we see that in our world as well, in the midst of this, who's to blame for this crisis? And yet Jesus, in that moment, flips everything on its head. Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. What if in the midst of this crisis, the question we ask is, how are the works of God going to be displayed in myself and my community? What if in the midst of all this, there's an opportunity to see God at work in ways we've not seen before. That rather than looking who's to blame, what is it that God wants to do in and through us? The story continues in verse 6. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. What's interesting about this story is previous to this, Jesus was a stranger to the blind man. And yet in this story, the man encounters Jesus. 
I wonder if the stranger that we are called to encounter during this time might actually be Jesus himself. See, what we see throughout the scriptures is Jesus comes in the guise of other people. And that when we welcome the stranger, we actually welcome Jesus. In that famous story in the Gospel of Matthew about the sheep and the goats, Jesus says, I was hungry, did you feed me? I was naked, did you clothe me? I was in prison, did you come and visit me? And the people are asking him, but Jesus, when did we see you? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Philip Yans, he says this, God has taken on a disguise, a most unlikely disguise of the stranger, the poor, the hungry, the prisoner, the sick, the ragged ones of the earth. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. If we cannot detect God's presence in the world, it may be we have been looking in all the wrong places. If we cannot detect God's presence in the world, it may be we've been looking in the wrong places. I wonder if during this COVID season, whether the stranger that we welcome into our homes and our lives is Jesus of Nazareth. You see, for some of us, maybe this crisis has confronted us with some of the things that we're challenged with in our walk with Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we've kept Jesus at arm's length historically. Maybe for some of us, we've busied ourselves with religious ritual or even just distracted us. And during this season, Jesus says, would you invite me in? I want you to welcome me. I believe Jesus is inviting us to a deeper season of intimacy with him. I was reading this passage last night and I was struck by the fact this moment with Jesus is deeply intimate. Just think about what's going on there. The man gets called over, Jesus spits on the ground, takes the mud and actually rubs it on the man's eyes. God himself comes into the face of the blind man and touches his face. You can get more intimate than that in that moment. And I wonder if God is saying, I want to come that close to you during this crisis. There are so many things that could distract us from being with God. But he's saying, would you just come aside and be with me? During this past season, Rob Miller shared a sermon on hospitality. I think it was our Advent uh, series in the fall. And in the midst of it, Rob said that often we've glamorized or even idealized hospitality, where we said, you do this and it's always great. But in it, he said, hospitality can be disruptive, challenging or even confronting. He said, because it's we have to let go of control and welcome the stranger who may not be what we expect. Maybe you've had that in your own life. You've invited someone over for the first time. And in conversation, you realise, oh, they're completely different to who I thought they were. See, I think when we welcome Jesus, he may come to disrupt us, but in the best possible way. I don't know if you have remembered this or uh, even thought about it, but we're actually surprisingly still in Lent. That's a season for the church where we remember Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. Historically, the church has used the time of Lent to focus on Jesus' time in the wilderness. And often we give something up for this season. I think it was Andy Crouch who had a brilliant tweet where he said, I didn't expect to give up this much for Lent. 
But actually as we're in the season of Lent, it's a reminder that the wilderness is a place where everything gets stripped away from us. Our comforts, our security, the things we put our trust in. And in the wilderness, we're face to face with God and the chaos that's around us. In Mark's gospel, there's a really short uh, story about Jesus's time in the wilderness. It's the briefest comments in Mark chapter one, but there's some interesting language that it uses. It says Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness. So the place of wilderness is always a time where God leads us there because he loves us. Throughout the scripture, it's not because we've done something wrong or God's people. It's because God loves us that he draws us to the wilderness. And in Mark 1, it says, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It says, Satan is there to tempt him. The wild animals are there and angels tended to him. I've always wondered why wild animals was thrown in there. What could that actually mean? And Ronald Rollheiser, who's one of my favourite theologians, says this about that phrase. For us, Satan and wild animals refer particularly to the chaos inside of us that normally we either deny or simply refuse to face. Our paranoia, our anger, our jealousies, our distance from others, our grandiosity, our addictions, our incapacity to pray, our faith doubts. The normal food that we eat, distracted, ordinary life, works to shield us from the deeper chaos that lurks beneath the surface of our lives. Lent invites us to stop eating whatever protects us from having to face the desert that is inside of us. Pope Francis gave a brilliant sermon a couple of weeks ago. And in that, he talked about the story of Jesus in the boat and how the storm was raging and the storm was going to overwhelm the disciples. And he shares something similar to Ronald Rollheiser. He says, in the middle of the storm, we're faced with some of our insecurities. This is what he said. The storm exposes our vulnerability and uncovers those false and superfluous certainties around which we have constructed our daily schedules, our projects, our habits and priorities. Today's Palm Sunday. And in that amazing encounter that we see in the Gospels, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. People are shouting Hosanna. They're waving palm branches. They're so excited because they think Jesus is the one who's going to rescue them from Rome. Hosanna and the palm branches are actually military um, ter- military terms, but also military symbols. And what they're actually saying is, Jesus, save us down with the Romans. And what we realize is Jesus came to rescue them, but not in the way they expected. See, for Jesus, death is the thing that bought life. If I can be honest with you, I had a moment this week where I just was completely exhausted. I've called it kind of the COVID wall. I don't know if anyone's hit that over the past couple of weeks, where you just kind of just feel so tired and exhausted in the midst of ordinary life. It was also a time where I did not win the Dad of the Year award. Something had just happened with my kids and I felt so discouraged. I'd said something to them. I was in my kitchen, tired and exhausted, 
And what I realized is this crisis had brought to the surface a lot of the things I'd tried to push to one side. I've called it the the COVID is the reverse iceberg. You know how there's those things under the surface, but there's only certain things that people see. And I think in my life, it's actually become the reverse, that so many things that I've tried to put off have come to the fore and to the surface. And in this moment in my kitchen, I felt this whisper of Jesus. And this is what he said to me, Matt, I long to heal you. I long to heal you. So in this story, what we notice is Jesus places the mud on the man's face. He says, go to him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. See, Jesus' heart for us as we face our chaos is always to bring healing to us. It's interesting that the wilderness throughout the scriptures is always the place of encounter and the place of the miraculous. When we see this story, what we notice is Jesus in the Gospels, the miracle that he does the most is actually healing people from their sight. Now, a lot of people say that that's because one of the marks of the Messiah when he was to come was that he would actually open the sight of the blind. And that actually shows that Jesus was the Messiah, contrary to other things that were going on in the world at the time. See, when we see Jesus healing people in the Gospels, what we notice is it's not just physical healing that Jesus is doing. Jesus is longing to heal the whole person. That's why over and over it says he casts out demons from people because he longs for them to be fully whole. Robert Mulholland in his book Invitation to a Journey says it's in our point of unchristlikeness that Jesus wants to meet us. When the man goes to the pool to bathe and wipe the mud off his eyes, it gives him a chance to see the world in a whole new way. Just imagine that moment you've been blind from birth. You wash the water off your, the mud off your eyes, even though you might think this is a really strange moment. How did he get to the pool of Siloam? Those bits aren't in the Gospels, but he's led there with mud on his eyes, which would be very strange. And then he puts the water to wash it off. And he must be thinking, is this going to work? Is this going to happen? And then in that moment, color, light, the whole world looks completely different. He sees things and people he's never seen before. The debate that follows the healing is where people say, is this man the same man as before? He looks very different. Who is this man? See, they notice he looks different. When we encounter Jesus and allow him to work in our chaos and pain and bring healing to our life, We see the world differently and people notice that Jesus has encountered us. I don't think in this time of COVID, as we think about facing our chaos, this is necessarily a click your fingers moment where we just click our fingers and think everything will go away. But I wonder for some of us whether it's an invitation to face some of the things we're carrying and allowing Jesus to heal us. For some of us, it may mean letting go. For some, it may mean receiving forgiveness. For some, it may mean offering forgiveness. For some, it may mean asking for help. For some, it may mean learning to pray. 
For others, it may mean learning to face the doubts and the struggles that we've been walking through. And for others, it may mean facing grief and loss and the tears and pain that come from that. I think for a lot of us, Jesus is saying to us, would you enter into the chaos because I'm right here in the midst of it? What we notice from the Gospels is Jesus' healing is always motivated by love for people. The healing process might seem painful at times, but Jesus' love for us is deeply consistent. One person who's a theologian says, if we don't transform our pain, we'll actually transmit it. And so Jesus is inviting us in this season to face the things that maybe are underneath the surface. But Jesus is always doing it because he loves us deeply. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The kindness of God is always inviting us back to life with him. Next weekend is Easter weekend. And what we notice is Jesus's love compels him to the cross. It's ultimately his love and desperation to heal humanity that takes him to the cross because he loves us so much. And this weekend coming, remember the lamb that was slain, as Revelation says, to come and heal the world. All the areas of pain and brokenness we see in ourselves and our other people's lives, Jesus is longing to heal. What if we came out of the COVID crisis and our words would be like the blind man later in John chapter 9? I once was blind, but now I see. As we think about hospitality this morning, I wonder if it's a call back to hospitality as we see others. And as I said earlier, maybe a reflection on what we can do to think about others in the midst of this. But I wonder for most of us whether the hospitality is the invitation of Jesus to come and work in our lives. As I was thinking about tying up the end of my uh, sermon this morning, I was praying last night for what was going to happen this morning and I had this deep sense of affection for you, St. Clair, as my community. I was thinking about the people that I've spoken to over the last few weeks who have suffered job losses or even have people who have contracted or know people who have contracted the COVID-19 virus. Maybe you're healthcare professionals and you're working just fast-paced and just overwhelmed with what you see around you. And this might seem strange to do because we're online and we're not in person, but I actually wondered as a closing out to the message whether we would take a time of response together and we would actually pray together that Jesus would come and bring healing to us. I'm just going to invite you in a moment to hold out your hands as a posture of receiving I totally believe the Holy Spirit can work through technology all over the place, particularly in Hamilton, to meet us in our time of need. So I'm wondering if you just open your hands with me and take a moment to bring yourself before Jesus and invite him to come and to heal the places that just feel hurt and broken for you.
as Rollheiser says, maybe the chaos you need to face. Why don't we open our hands together? I'm going to pause for a moment as we bring ourselves before God. And we would say, Jesus, I long to welcome you into my life during this season and particularly during this Passion Week. Jesus, would you intimately change me and teach me the things you want to? So why don't we pause in quiet and then I'll pray for us this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We release the grip of the control of our lives. In a time where we look around and recognise we are not in control, and that would seem scary and fearful, we open our hands and invite you, Holy Spirit, afresh to come and transform us. Jesus, we dangerously pray that you would be at work within us, not just so our behaviours look different on the outside, but our lives are transformed from the inside. The things we bring that we just recognise are deep within us that just need to be healed, places of deep hurt and brokenness. Jesus, we ask that you would come and work in and through them. Jesus, we don't want to be a community that just gets through COVID-19 to go back to normal. We long to be a people that were shaped by you and your word and your practices and your spirit in our lives. Jesus, we come to you because there's nowhere else to go. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. It really is my prayer that we open ourselves up uh, during this uh, season to the way of Jesus. And if this morning there's something that's come to mind that you want to share or have prayer for, please don't hesitate to reach out to one of the pastoral staff or even your missional family. Um, Jesus is so loving and gracious. And I just have this sense that he is drawing the church afresh back to himself, that he is just saying to us, I am the most important thing. Would you come to me?